are in for a treat with um, uh, mostly turkey stories. Well, for, it is Turkey Day, so... For Turkey Day! Happy Turkey Day! Hopefully everybody's getting lots of pie and turkey and... I know when this is dropping, I'm going to be cooking. Yeah, I'm... It's going to be a... Fr- it's going to be a rough... A lot of cooking. Mm-hmm. I don't mind. I like... Okay. So what do you say? Do you have any anything going on? I know you're probably just going to go hang out with family and go get turkey. Yeah, I'm just spending the day with family... Grandpa's coming over to the house. Probably got friends coming over too. So it's going to be a packed house. But it'll be the first Thanksgiving that neither my sister or I have had to sit at the kids' table. (laughs) That's usually where we get get, um, sent as well, the kids' table. But since family has moved out of state, it's a lot less people than what normally there is. But what do you say? Should we dive into Turkey Day? Excuse me. Let's dive into turkeys. Yes. Turkey, <laughs> uh, turkey, turkeys. Um, believe it or not, they are worse than dogs. They're dangerous. Wild turkeys take over in Tom's River. Or uh, worse than those chickens before we were talking about before. I know. What is with all these fowl? You just need to stuff them and eat them. Dang it. Um. Some residents in an Ocean County, New Jersey neighborhood say they are scared to leave their homes because of troublesome turkeys. Of course, there's video. We'll have that play. Um, One homeowner's uh, video shows just how up close and personal the wild turkeys can get. The turkeys in the video seem to be unafraid of two dogs, a flock of 20 plus large birds wandering the neighborhood, 55 and over community uh, um, and over community in Tom's River daily. It is a problem, you know. It really is. Uh, the man, he was here. He said that they're worse than dogs. They're dangerous. <laughs> um, I think with dogs you could throw bones, but would you do? What would you do for a turkey? Throw stuff. Yeah, maybe. Um, cameras caught the flock. Um, what with ducks by a nearby creek, but the photos show how the twenty plus. Palm birds can be dangerous. Blocking traffic on a uh, Yorktown Boulevard, they cause traffic problems because people blow their horns at them and they don't pay attention. <laughs> so what, the turkeys don't pay attention or the people don't pay attention? It means nothing, I would say both. It means nothing to them. Some residents feel threatened as they walk out their door. The other day, um, they went... I see they went to come out of the house and there were so many uh, right by by their car. They really didn't want to come out of the house. Um, see, some of the males have come after you and then just go back into the house. <laughs> then they just go back in the house. Well, duh. They don't want, they don't want their females messed with. No, it is, I'm, I'm watching the video. It looks like they are, they've been talking to the ducks also. They probably have. They will take it over. Um, the township has received dozens of calls about the wild turkeys pecking at cars and coming too close for comfort. Well, see, this is what happens when you get rid of the predators. You wouldn't have this problem if you had a couple coyotes around or cats or whatever, right? Um, <laughs> the a- animal control is just saying, oh, our hands are tied. <laughs> <laughs> must, must, must be with turkey twine. Um, if an animal is sick or injured... Be it domestic or wild, they can do something about it. We can come help that animal. This falls under nuisance wildlife, and we are not allowed to trap the trap wildlife. Yeah, <laughs> we're not allowed to re- relocate them. 
okay, what the hell are you allowed to do then? <laughs> That's too funny. I've seen videos of the turkeys chasing after people and everything else. <laughs> do you like this one? So, go from uh, meddlesome turkeys to uh, even more fearless ones. Go to Limpy. Yeah, the town of Reading, Massachusetts has an unofficial mascot, Limpy the Turkey. <laughs> no one knows how he got his limp or why he chose to fall to cause or why he shows this fall to cause chaos around town, wandering through traffic, taking rides on top of mail trucks and more, but it appears Limpy is ready to stay. <laughs> Residents have been calling wildlife authorities for weeks asking what to do. But they just keep being told to leave him alone because that he'd fly away if he wanted to. <laughs> Limpy. Well, obviously he doesn't want to. No. Oh, he's been talking to the other turkeys. He's not going anywhere. Yeah. Uh, Limpy has been pecking at cars or weaving through traffic, unbothered as cars slow and stop for him. Uh, the most infamous features him uh, teetering atop a mail truck as passersby shriek his name. <laughs> Uh, Limpy-themed pumpkins, drawings, and memes, and even cookies have appeared uh, in town. Numerous residents dressed up as the Wobbly Bird for Halloween, a and a Limpy uh, 2K trot uh, is planned for uh, tr- Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. Poor Limpy. <sighs> Maybe this is how he became Limpy. Tossing a bird that does not fly out of an airplane. It's Probably how he became. That's probably how he became limpy. Um, this I I've been seeing the uh, WKRP uh, meme going around lately this uh-huh. week of them tossing the birds out the oh, out of the uh, plane. Um, it is October in the Ozarks. The grass has dried out, and the trees have bronze and browns. Deer-like glazed eyes in the back of camouflage pickup trucks, high school football helmets crack every Friday night. It's seven days a week. Workers and processing plants are helping to kill, gut, pluck, and and turkeys for Thanksgiving tables around the country. Here in Yellville, this cold and rainy weekend, there are turkeys everywhere. Turkey, Turkey shirts, turkey costumes, turkey paraphernalia. There is a raffle giving away birds for Thanksgiving dinner. There's a brisk trade in turkey legs too. Pulled out of a barrel of sm- uh pulled out of a, bar- a barrel smoker. At the bandstand, a judge announces the winner of the Miss Drumstick contest, who gleams and sparkles in her pageant finery. It is Miss Drumstick because there's judging who has the best thighs. An older woman explained <laughs> explained to them. In a matter of fact, but this is a but and this is unusual and much to be dismay and um, many locals. There are no live turkeys, none in a cage, towed behind a pickup, none thrown from a courthouse roof, none pitched off of a bandstand and picked up by screaming teenagers, and none dropped out of an airplane. That is what Yellville Turkey Festival is famous and infamous for. You see, living, breathing, squawking bird getting lobbed out of a low-flying aircraft. Turkeys, it seems worth mentioning, do not fly. Although the wild, dark-feathered ones you see in flocks 
on roads are capable of fluttering up into and in between trees. The factory farm bread, white feathered ones you eat on Thanksgiving are closer to the penguin side of the aviation flying ability spectrum. The birds can slow their descent by flapping wildly and catch the wind and glide should they find themselves free-falling from 500 feet. But some die on impact, fleshy anvils with useless wings. Once a year for the past seven decades, with just a few breaks, Yellville has had a dozen or so foul um, demonstrated the gravitational reality. The turkey trot is much appreciated even for people with a, a lot of Ozark pride, but without a lot of money. Organizers and attendees explain a transgressive event that locals love to love and love to hate, love to go to, and really love to talk about. There is a festival that goes on in Fayetteville that's huge. They have booths there where you walk up and you can stop in your tracks and go, holy cow, that's neat. The owner of a local retreat property where a small town festival, it is important to people. Yet the jurisdiction might be as dead as the turkeys whose legs were getting smoked and sold in the street. Years of negative and mocking of media attention, criticism from wild, uh, animal welfare groups and their supporters, and the involvement of a variety of regulators and legal authorities have led to the live turkey part of weekend getting shut down. No more lobbing turkeys out the plane. Um, was it worth it? Ending a town's beloved annual event to save a few birds from a few moments of confused terror? Was it meaningful giving how many billions of birds raised for meat faces far more gruesome life or death? Would it stick, given the uh, steelness of the residents of this corner of the Ozarks and the devotion of Americans to their meat-eating and cold-weather tradition? They were not sure before going to the festival and was even less sure after it. But what they knew was this was not a Thanksgiving story about throwing a bird that does not fly out of the plane. This was Thanksgiving story about the human will to throw a bird that does not fly out of an airplane. <laughs> the turkey trot is such a tradition in, in, part, in a part of the country where tradition still matters. Where the people are big, conservative, and small conservative too this was a um considerate refrain to that they heard in in yellville it comes it got started as world war ii ended when the town's american legion post postponed an autumn turkey calling contest with a turkey giveaway a few years later a local pilot tossed some turkeys from a plane for the crowd crowded assembly below giving the event its wings the origin of the turkey trot was silly. There was there were outrage, but there was also noble, or so the story goes. Today's active activities were intended to be a wild turkey conservation activity calling attention to Arkansas's dwindling turkey population. A few birds were meant to survive and flourish in the thick Ozark woods while others went home to be prepared for dinner. The turkey trot remained a hometown word-of-mouth kind of thing over the next several decades with pretty much every resident of Yellville and many people from the surrounding uh, region flocking downtown once a year to eat, chit-chat, and perhaps walk away with a bird. Yeah, I don't know. Do, do you want a bird that went splat on someone's car or sidewalk? <sighs> or I don't know. I'm confused. Um, Especially, yeah, I mean, you don't know what has, you know, what you're getting along with. 
you know, whatever has added to that. Well, let's see. It says the pro- prose was purple, the description overwrought, but not by much. Ample documentary evidence recorded in the years since, as well as the testimonies of a number of town folks, indicate that this was and is pretty much what happened when you drop a turkey from hundreds of feet in the air. Uh, the panicked animals try to right themselves. Some ca- catch a gust. Others do not. Some die when they hit the ground. Others survive with broken bones. Yet others are grievously injured when they are fought over <laughs> by local kids. Some perish of apparent shock. And a few, it is far to note, are rattled by physically unharmed. Well, until they get taken home and become dinner. Yeah. Um, they were standing in an alley between or behind one of the buildings in town, and that plane came right overhead. And this person said, who attended last year's festival to try to get some of the birds. We're all trying to catch it down, chase it down. And they were thinking, oh my God, I can't outrun 15 kids. There's no way. <laughs> they weren't supposed to drop them over town. They were supposed to be dropping them across the river there across the creek. But the pilots kind of think they can do they can do no wrong and they're proud of it. The turkeys she encountered were heat stressed and in shock and bruised. It is not irritating to watch a frightened animal trying to get away from a crowd of people. That's I don't call it entertainment. But it was in some strange and compelling way. Um, the turkey drop became not just a local media staple, but a national media fascination. The coverage that it um, ensured was horrif- horrified, mocking, condescending, and eye-rolling. Well, <laughs> yeah. And of course, and of course, PETA had to get their nose in the shit. Sorry, I'm not PETA friendly. I don't like them. I think they're idiots. Carry on. Let's go to the next story. So, uh, uh, Turkish fairy tales. But, oh. um, okay, you're, yeah, do that one. Okay, I got the. I'll get the other one. They opened up differently on our computers. Okay. Um, that's what I was looking here. Yeah, I put in Turkey, and I got the 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 country Turkey. So okay, I, went with I was it. really confused. I put in Turkey stories and Turkey mythology from Turkey showed up. I went <laughs> with it, so we could talk about it, or we just talk about dead things, because. That's the next one that I got on my Let's start with the dead things. Um, poor Pootie Cat. But why do these turkeys circle around a dead cat? Turkeys were less pagan and more paranoid, an expert says, and draws attention to an un- underappreciated conservation success. They were confused and not pagan. They were paranoid and not pagan. Okay. Um, they've got three dogs and four fish at, at home. They enjoy nature. They enjoy wildlife, this person says. Who filmed this scene on his phone. It's not every day you see something like this. Of course, this one, I don't remember when this was. I know this was all over the place. It's, I think, a few years old. Um, Let's see. But in likelihood, the turkeys are less pagan and more paranoid. In a phone interview with Nat Geo, uh, the uh, wildlife biologist chalked up the turkey's behavior to a combination of curiosity and fear. The guess um, is they are puzzled by the strange behavior of a dead or dying cat and wanted to get a better look without getting too close. The results, he says, is a circle of turkeys, mostly females, all eyeing the potential predator's carcass, but none of them wanting to get any closer. 
Turkey's instinct to follow the flock probably compounded in circling. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, said that he had been had seen similar behavior in birds of the fam of family. I have no idea. Same family as a turkey. Yeah. Um, which includes turkeys, pheasants, chickens. Well, that's that's pretty why why chickens and turkeys are can be a holes. <laughs> um, and these birds, individuals chase after the tails of those in front of them as a way to to keep a flock together. Uh, see, Hughes says there's nothing unusual about wild turkeys grouping together. In the fall and winter, the large birds gather in flocks of hundreds or more. Hence what we were just saying with the chickens. Yeah. Feral chickens. They flock together and they screw you together. Um, in pre-colony North America, it's that at, at least 10 million wild turkeys roam the continent. But European colonies brought with them unchecked hunting, duh, and habitat loss, duh, which de- de- <laughs> um, uh, decimated turkey numbers. By the late 1700s, wild turkeys were effectively exterminated from New England. And by 1874, the wild turkeys were ex- um, extinct in Massachusetts. We still have them here in Ohio. Yeah. I got, I got a funny story and a turkey story, too. The <clears throat> turkeys declined reached uh in 1930s when the u.s population had shrunk to only 200,000 individuals two percent of its pre-colony level the country could ill afford the loss of another native bird in 1918 the last carolina parakeet died in ohio since the zoo four years after the last known passenger pigeon died in the very same cage yep it it, it all shall die um, this is especially true for Massachusetts. As of 2014, 140 years after they died out in the state, about 300,000 wild turkeys call Massachusetts home, including the flock that on brisk Thursday morning rocketed to the internet infamy. <laughs> no, I got a funny. Um, a few years ago, I worked at a uh, ski resort, and I worked with a lot of teenagers. Now, Falls, Valley... Lots of trees, you're going to see these. Uh, there was a flock that you always see them across the road. From yeah. what I'm understanding, they hit one of them. They didn't know what to do with it, so they threw it in the trunk. No. When they opened the trunk up, it wasn't dead. And they freaked out. Not sure what happened after that, if, if they clobbered it or it got out, but the chick, the, the chicken, the turkey wasn't dead. Well, I mean, you consider, you know, you can lop off their heads and they'll still go, keep going. Mm-hmm. But it, it 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 was just knocked out. They, they threw an unconscious turkey in it, their trunk. No, that that that's that's the way you get taken down, you know, by a bird. Mm-hmm. Especially two little teenagers. A turkey just took them out. Oh. <laughs> uh-huh. I sat there listening to them, and I'm like, oh my god, this is hilarious. And many years later, I'm recounting this story on the podcast. <laughs> Crazy turkeys. But yeah, it's just, I don't know. Stuff like this is natural if we're just more and more animals and everything just going psycho. You know, last episode we talked about like the, what was it, the crazy chickens and the crazy uh, pork. Yeah, pork. We're talking about crazy pork. The pigs. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's not just, you know, think about how much in the last year, you know, the different animals. Mm -hmm. It's been a lot of birds. But all you know, overall. Well, 
everything's going ass on end because if you um, uh, read some of the headlines and stuff, most of the world's burning and most of the habitat is gone and a lot of animals are gone. Well, yeah, um, the what used to be Phil Middle School around here, that property mm-hmm. has become woods now. Mm-hmm. And that wolf woods, you know, you look, you know, part of it, you still got um, people playing soccer over there, but you've got deers. You got deer just going in and out of the woods mm-hmm. because they finally have a home now. The, well, that and I've seen them on West Akron amongst the houses and there some are expanding the ones that can survive, but others are just going extinct it's kind of cool that the turkeys made their way back to you know it took them 150 years to make their way back but that's kind of cool yeah but do we want to talk about the jokey one that i found sure <laughs> like i said I, I was looking at turkey stories and this is what popped up stories from turkey <laughs> there's a lot in here so i don't know which one you want to choose um yeah and the funny thing is, this is all for Thanksgiving, and yeah, they don't celebrate Thanksgiving here in Turkey. <laughs> turkey, turkey, nope. We only do, and it's, I don't know. I think it's, Thanksgiving just becomes all about food. It really is. Food, and because being thankful anymore in America, I mean, if you look at how many people are angry that stores are closed on Thanksgiving, that they can't go and do their, you know, beat people up for, uh, products at the store can't beat them so beat each other up for wheaties yeah well i mean just beat each other up for and stand in line you know for their you know 50 dollars off a tv that's what i'd shop online shopping's for i like online shopping and i have to deal with people i hate getting run over but would you like to pick one ah uh, that's i'm going through here ah Oh, no, I wanted the one underneath it. Which one you click it on? The Imp of the Well. Interesting. I, I have no idea what any of these are, so... Well, the Bird of Sorrow looked interesting. Where... Which one is the that The Wizard one? and his Pupil. See it. Okay. We'll do that one since we're talking about birds. Sorrow! Boop. This one was kind of interesting, but long one at the same time. It is. In a in a very in very remote time, there uh, lived a Padisha whose daughter was so much attached to her governess that she scarcely ever left her side. One day, seeing the latter deep in thought, the princess asked, "What are you of What are you thinking?" "I have sorrow," answered the governess. "What is sorrow?" questioned the daughter. Uh, "Let me also have it." It is well, said the woman, and went to the uh, Sharshi, where she bought a bird of sorrow in a cage. She presented it to the maiden, who was so delighted that she amused herself day and night with the creature. Sometime afterwards, the sultan's daughter, attended attended by her slaves, paid a visit to the zoo. She took with her the bird in the cage, which she hung on the hung. Upon the branch of a tree. Suddenly the bird began to speak. Set me free a little while, Sultana, it pleaded. 
that I may play with the other birds. I'll come back again. And so she set her uh, set her bird. Uh, the princess accordingly set her favorite at liberty. A few hours later, uh, while the princess was sauntering idly about the park, the bird returned, seized its mistress, and flew off with her to the top of a high mountain. Behold, this is sorrow, said the bird. I will prepare more of it for you. Saying this, he flew away. The princess, now hungry and thirsty, wandered about until she met a herdsman with whom she exchanged raiment so that she might disguise herself as a man for her better protection. After long, after long wandering, she came to the village where, finding a coffee house, she entered and asked the proprietor to exchange her as to engage her as his assistant. The former, regarding her as a young man in need of employment, accordingly engaged her and took her and took eve and towards evening went home, leaving her in charge of the house. Having closed the shop, the girl lay down to sleep. At midnight, however, the bird of sorrow appeared, broke all the cups and saucers <laughs> in the place, woke the maiden from her sleep, and addressed her. Behold, this is sorrow. I'll prepare more, more of it for you tomorrow. Uh, and he flew away as just as before. All night the girl laid thinking what sh should she say to the master of the, uh, to, in the morning. And when morning came, the proprietor returned, seeing the woeful damage done. He beat his assistant severely and drove her away. Uh, she set out once more and arrived at a tailor's shop, uh, and as pre preparations were being made for the great religious feast, the tailor was busy uh, executing orders for the Sarai. He was therefore in need of an extra hand and took the youth uh, into his service. After a day or two, the tailor went away, leaving the maiden alone, and when the evening came, she closed the shop and retired until midnight when the bird came again, tore to shreds all the clothes on the premises, and waking the girl said, Behold, this is sorrow. I will prepare still more of it for you, and flew off. The next morning, the master came, seeing the clothes all torn up, caused, called his assistant, and as the girl answered nothing, the master beat her soundly and sent her away. Weeping bitterly, she set off once again uh, and came to a French maker's where she was taken in, uh, left alone, she fell asleep, the bird of sorrow came back again, tore up all the fringes, woke the girl, made his speech, and flew away. The master returned the next morning, saw the mischief, beat her more cruelly than ever, and dismissed her. Uh, the unhappy maiden uh, took, along, took on her way again, feeling sure the bird of sorrow would give her no peace, she went to the went into a mountain path where she lived in seclusion for many days, suffering the pangs of hunger and thirst, and in constant fear of wild beasts that haunted the region. Her nights were spent in the leafy branches of a tree. Uh, one day, the son of a Padisha went out hunting, spied the girl in the tree. Uh, mistaking her for a bird, he shot an arrow at her, but it merely stuck one of the branches. On approaching the tree to reclaim his arrow, 
the sh- Shazada observes that what he had supposed to be a bird appeared to be a man. Are you an inn or a jinn? He called out. Neither inn nor jinn was the response, but a human creature like yourself. Whereupon the prince permitted her to descend from the tree, he and took the seeming herdsman to the palace. Here, after bathing, she resumed the, the garments of a maiden. Uh, then the royal youth saw that she was beautiful as the moon at the at the full, and straightway fell violently in love with her. Without delay, he besought his father, the Padisha, to consent to his his wedding with her. The sultan commanded the maiden to be brought into his presence, and as he gazed upon her wonderful beauty, her loveliness and grace won his heart. The betrothal took place forthwith after a period of festivity lasting 40 days and 40 nights. The marriage was celebrated. In due time, a little daughter was born to the princely pair, a a child gentle and fair to look upon, giving early promise of becoming as lovely as its mother. One midnight came the bird who stole the babe and uh, smeared the mother's lips with blood. Then woke the princess and said, Behold, I am taking away your child, and still more sorrow I will prepare for you. So the bird flew off. In the morning, the prince missed his little daughter and observed that his wife's lips were bloodstained. Going quickly to his father, he related the occurrence. Uh, from the mountain, did you bring the woman? said the Padisha. She is forsooth a daughter of the mountain and eats human flesh, so I counsel you to send her away. But the prince, but the prince pleaded for his young wife and prevailed over his father. Sometime later, another daughter was born to them, which the bird also stole. At this time, the Padisha commanded that the mother be put to death, though yielding at length to the earnest entreaties of his son, he grudgingly consented to pardon her. Time passed, and eventually a son was born. The prince, fearing that if this child should also disappear, his beloved wife would surely be put to death, determined to lie awake at night and keep watch and ward over his loved ones. Tired, however, uh, insisted on tired nature. However, insisted on her troll, and the prince slept. Meanwhile, the bird returned, stole the babe, uh, smeared the prince's princess's lips with blood, and flew away. When the poor mother awoke and discovered her loss, she wept bitterly. And the prince also awoke and found the child missing, with the mother's with the wife's lips uh, and nose dripping with blood. He hastened to his father with awful intelligence, and the Padisha, in a violent rage, again condemned the woman to death. The executioners were summoned. They bound her hands behind her and led her forth to execution. But so smitten were they with her ravishing beauty and so stricken with pity for her, for her sore affliction, they said to her, We can't find it in our hearts to kill you. Go where you will, only don't return here. The woman again sought the mountain refuge, brooding over her sad lot until one day the bird once more appeared, seized her, and carried her off to the garden of a great palace. Setting down his burden, the bird shook shook himself, and lo, he was transformed into a handsome youth. Taking her by the hand, he led the woman upstairs into the palace, um, where 
a wonderful sight met her eyes. Attended by many servants, three beautiful children, all radiant and smiling, approached her. As her astonished gaze fell upon them, her heart, her eyes filled with tears of joy and her heart melted with tenderness. Escorting the now happy and wondering princess into a stately apartment, rich, carpeted, and furnished with all the art of the luxurious Orient, the youth thus addressed her. Sultana, I am afflicted. I afflicted with you, afflicted you with much grief and sorrow, robbed you of your precious children, and nearly brought you to an ignominious death. Yet you have patiently borne it all and not betrayed me. I re in reward, I have built for you this castle in which I now restore to you your loved ones. Henceforth, Sultana, I am your slave. The princess hastened with winged feet uh, to her long-lost sh children, embraced them, pressed them to her bosom, and covered them with kisses. Uh, sorrowing for his children the and for his beloved wife, the prince uh, uh, grew more morose and melancholy, passing the time with his, with his old opium smoker, who beguiled the hours with indifferent stories. One day, having no more opium, the old man requested the prince's permission uh, to buy more. On his way thither, he saw someone he had never seen, never seen before, a large and magnificent surreal. It is remarkable, thought the old fellow. I frequent this street daily, yet I have not seen this palace before. When can it have been built? The sultana, whose palace it was, happened to be one of the at one of the windows and caught sight of her husband's, husband's opium smoker. Uh, the slave, formerly her bird, being in attendance, uh, he respectfully suggested, what say you, lady, to playing a trick on the prince's old storyteller? At these words, he threw a magic rose at the feet of the graybeard. The latter picked it up, inhaled its exquisite perfume, and muttered to himself, if your rose is as beautiful, you must be, you must, how must it be with yourself? So instead of returning home, he went to the palace. The prince, meanwhile, grew concerned over the absence of the old man and sent someone to look, af look for him. The steward, arriving before the palace at the door of which had been left open intentionally by the slave, went to look around. A number of female slaves received him and led the way up the stairs. At the top, he was handed over to the magician slave, who requested him to remove his robe and proceed. The robe was taken off without difficulty, but the steward was astonished to find that, in spite of all the efforts, he was quite unable to remove the fez. At this, the magician ordered him to be cast out for, remove, for refusing to take off his fez. The steward was therefore forcibly ejected, but, soon, but no sooner was he outside than the fez fell from his head of its own accord. On his way home, he overtook the old opium smoker. Meanwhile, the Shazada was troubled at the, at, uh, the non-return of his steward and dispatched his treasurer after him. The treasurer met both on the road and asked what had happened. The opium smoker answered that if a rose be thrown from that palace, take care not to smell it, or the consequences be on your own head. And the steward warned, when you enter that palace, be sure to leave your fez at the door. 
The treasurer considered the behavior of both uh, somewhat peculiar, but taking their warning, he entered the palace. Inside, he was ordered to don a dressing gown before, before proceeding upstairs. Commencing to undress, he discovered that his uh, shalwar refused to be refused to part company with himself, and consequently he was thrown out of the palace. At which point it fell off. The prince became unable. Beca- the prince becoming unable longer to ensure the uh, the account- unaccountable absence of his servants set out for himself to discover what had happened. On the way, he met all three, who told him the rules for entering the palace. The prince was exceedingly puzzled at this advice, so he went straight away and disappeared from sight within the portal. Unlike his servants, the prince was received with every mark of honor and respect and conducted uh, to the noble hall. Here, a lady of remarkable beauty surrounded by three lovely children awaited him. The lady gave her eldest child a stool to the second a towel and the youngest a tray. Into the tray she put a bowl, into the bowl a pear, and beside it a spoon. The eldest set the stool on the floor, and the second offered the towel to the prince. When the youngest sat himself down in the bowl, when while the youngest sat himself down in the bowl, the prince then inquired of the children, How long has it been accustomed to eat pears with a spoon? Since human beings have eaten human flesh, they answered in chorus. The chord of a memory was struck, the past flashed before the before his eyes, and the magician appeared and cried, O prince, behold thy sultana, behold also thy children. Whereat all, whereat all father, mother, and shot children fell on each other's necks, weeping for joy. The magician continued, My Shazada, I am your slave. If, however, you deign to give me my liberty, I will hasten to my own parents. Overflowing with gratitude for the reunion, they immediately set the magician free uh, and prepared a new festival, happy in the knowledge that henceforth they would never be parted from each other. Whew. Long. And if you're still listening. <laughs> no, that sound, that almost sounds like a Brothers Grimm, doesn't it? It does. It does. It sounds, when you, when you start reading it, and what I, what I flip through it, it sounds like a Brothers Grimm story, which we know they got a lot of their stuff from Europe anyways. So why wouldn't they have something like this? And just adjusted it. Ooh. I guess this is our turkey, not, not turkey story. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I think I think that's another one. Unless you would like to read another turkey, not turkey story. No, I think I'm good. <laughs> um, yeah. So if you guys have any um stories of your own, anything you'd like to let us know, um, you can reach us at t- tftdpodcast at gmail dot com. We part of uh webegeekspc.com dot com and network dot com. We are on Twitter, Facebook, so all these links will be on Facebook. Uh, like us, rate us, share us. Uh, we also have some merch on TeePublic. They always have sales. Uh, yeah, and I'll probably put up my link because I'm in the process of uh, taking custom orders for Christmas. So that's pretty much where I'm at right now. So eat lots of turkey. Stay safe. Um... Keep your eyes sky ear to the ground, and I will see you later, Bart, and see you guys next week. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye, guys.
Bye. 